Well, welcome everyone to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley. And just a reminder, as always, or at least since we've been on the platforms, we are now on every major platform, Apple, Spotify, and Google. So we are now much easier to listen to. All right, we got to jump right into it because there is a lot to get to. Uh, on this hump day episode. You know what? I'm not going to say that. I don't like hump day. I'm not. Yeah, I used to. Those are like one of those phrases that you say like in radio and on the morning news. And I'm not I'm not going to be a part of it. So that's the last time I'm going to say hump day. Okay. Hold me to it. If I say it again, send me an email, hit me up on Twitter, whatever it is. But that's the last time I'm saying it. All right. We got a lot to get to on this Wednesday show. And we're going to start off with housing starts. That news dropped yesterday around 8.30, and I mean, I guess kind of surprising, but we did have some idea that builders are, well, they're in kind of a weird position because demand has never been stronger, as anyone can attest to, in the real estate industry, but commodity prices are also at levels that we haven't seen for quite some time. So if you're a builder, you're trying to figure out, do I want to build this house Is the demand going to stay there? Are too many people going to be priced out of the market by the time I finish this place? And so the big question was, what was going to happen with the numbers? And so what happened? They dropped. Now, it should be noted that in March, we did see, I think, highs that we haven't seen in, I think, over a decade. So the numbers were already high to begin with, but the numbers did fall in April 9.5% from March. So they dropped almost 10%. Now here's where it gets really fun because right now our year over year numbers are just completely wacky because last year we really were in kind of the full swing of the complete lockdown pretty much all over the country, even in Texas, even in Florida, everyone was shut down. And so on an annual basis, the numbers were actually up (laughs) 67.3%. So they may have been down 10%, almost 10% from the last month, but they were up 67% from a year ago. It's this sort of base effect you're going to hear everyone talk about for the next couple of months. It's just not a good number to compare it to. You want to compare it to maybe the year before because last year was just, like I said, so wacky. Uh, So that's obviously not a good sign that we're seeing just record demand, and yet builders are still not building houses. Uh, It actually gets even worse when you break down the numbers. For example, single-family housing starts were down 13.4% month over month. Now, year over year, of course, once again up, but not as much as overall. Uh, Single-family housing starts up 58.7% when compared to a year ago. Now, regionally, was kind of all over the place. I mean, some big swings. So the West actually saw zero change, which is actually kind of impressive. Uh, With regards to some of the other regions, the South, for example, was down 12.5%. Month over month, Northeast was down 13%. And the Midwest plummeted 32.3%. Now, as I mentioned, with inventory levels at all-time lows and demand being at almost all-time highs, or at least enough to the point where you're seeing double-digit price appreciation, you would think that people will be building houses. Now, there is some good news, because building permits were actually slightly up, barely, 0.3% above the revised March numbers are what we saw, and once again, the year-over-year numbers pretty crazy up 60.9%. But the good news is 
we are seeing a little bit with regards to building permits. So we'll, we'll take that as a win, up uh, 0.3%. And I was going to save this for last because I was going to say it's always good to end on kind of a positive note. But I you know, we're talking about building and are we going to see more um, more building take place? And here's some good news for all the builders out there who may be listening or if you know someone, let them know that the future contracts for lumber have fallen in seven straight sessions. Now, Lumber's most active futures contract is down 27% from its peak back on May the 10th. And so some are wondering if maybe the Lumber rally could be over, which would go back to what I think we mentioned yesterday, which was that some of these sawmills were arguing, yeah, we're not going to try and increase our capacity or, you know, build another addition or buy or build another sawmill because by the time we get all that completed, the demand the rally will be over and it looks like maybe they were right it didn't even take that long for their prediction uh to come true so we could maybe start seeing some cooling with regards to lumber i think it's still up like four times over where it was last year which once again last year it's kind of hard to compare because demand was just decimated by the pandemic but good news that we did see a slight improvement in building permits and maybe the uh crazy time for lumber maybe over so uh yeah don't don't uh cash out your 401k and go buy a bunch of two by fours thinking you're going to be able to retire we may have reached the peak it may be over so we'll see though things can change on a dime here but uh seven straight sessions is something to keep an eye on uh now if you're someone who's been looking at all the craziness happening in real estate and thinking well here's what i'm going to do i'm going to rent to avoid these crazy house prices. That might not work out the way that you think because a new report from CoreLogic Single Family Rent Index points out, well, it, it depends on what you're looking at renting. So not surprisingly, high-priced rentals in single-family homes saw the biggest increases with regards to rent, if you're looking for attached properties like apartments, condos, whatever it may be, and you're looking at the lower level, like a lower priced tier, less appreciation. So it all depends. So high price rentals increased 5% in March, which was up from the 2.8% gain in March of 2020. And this was the fastest increase in higher price rents since August. 2006, <laughs> which of course we all know what happened after that. Uh, so we're just going to throw that number to the side. Now, the good news for those who are in the lower income bracket, uh, rents only increased 3.2% year over year, which is actually down from last year when they had increased by 3.8%. And as I mentioned, it wasn't just uh, the different price tiers that we saw some divergence. We also saw it in which kind of property you were looking at renting. Detached properties increased 6.9% year over year, a huge jump from March 2020 when they were only up 2.9% year over year. But attached properties were at 1.3%, which is down from 2.7% in March of 2020. So it's all in how you look at it. And that does kind of make sense that people are looking for single family homes. What did everyone want? They wanted to move to places 
like vacation destinations. And those are usually going to be high priced areas and they're going to be single family properties. And so that sort of explains why you're seeing uh, those divergent numbers. But it is a good sign that people who are in the kind of lower income bracket, that they are not seeing this crazy appreciation because the headlines that I saw yesterday after this CoreLogic data came out was, you know, rent prices, 14 year high, 14 year high, I see it all over the place. But they didn't point out that they were only talking about high priced rentals, not lower ones. And that matters because that's usually the area that lawmakers are the most concerned about and they end up passing legislation and trying to influence the market is because they're like, oh no, look how high rents have gotten. People can't afford to rent houses or rent apartments or rent anything. And so they end up passing legislation or doing something stupid when in reality, the people that they're most concerned about are actually benefiting from this current market. In fact, things are actually down from a year ago. So if you're someone that was looking for an attached property at a lower price, you're actually probably pretty happy with what's out there. Now, on the other side, if you're someone who's looking for a high-priced rental that is a single-family home, you're probably not going to be very happy with what is available out there. So once again, it all depends on how you look and interpret the data. Now, I mentioned lawmakers. And I actually wasn't planning on making this the transition, but it just so happened to perfectly work out that way. I mentioned lawmakers. I read a fascinating piece in The Atlantic yesterday. That, and once again, remember, there's a companion newsletter to everything that we are talking about here on this podcast. So everything I'm talking about, all these numbers, all this data, it's not only in the email, but the links to the actual sources themselves, also in the email. So everything's in there. And there's even stuff that we don't have time to get to also in the email. So if you want to sign up for the markets and mortgages morning newsletter, you can as well. Same place you get the podcast. Well, actually, I guess if you're getting the podcast on one of the platforms, you're not going to find it there. So just go to marketsandmortgages.com. So I read this piece in The Atlantic and I found it fascinating because there's one thing I've noticed is a lot of people have said, you know, what's going to change? What's going to go back? when the pandemic is over? Is everything going to go back to normal? And a lot of people have said, well, I hope not. I hope this sort of hybrid work balance where people are spending more time with their families or they're working from home a couple days a week. People are hoping that those stay. Um, I think the restrictions and the other concerns that people didn't like and the fear and, and um, you know, people are eating more, drinking more, they're having psychological issues. We're all hoping that that goes away as things normalize, but what's going to change and what's going to stay the same. Well, one of the things that people have also said that they hope change or stays, the stays as it was during the pandemic was what we saw happen in a lot of downtown areas, especially in major cities. But I can say even here in Wilmington, North Carolina, we have a downtown area. Same thing happened. What I'm talking about is that restaurants in order to expand the the people they were able to seat at their restaurant because you know inside the restrictions were so um strong in the beginning that they had to start eating outside but there was only limited sidewalk space so a lot of places started shutting down roads and letting them put tables in the street and some people have said man i hope that that stays the same and the reason i'm bringing that up is like i said there's this piece in the atlantic uh by michael manville in which he argued that it's 
lawmakers have really messed up major cities all across the country. And of course, you can make various arguments if you're a Democrat or a Republican, but this actually has something to do with cars and our obsession with cars in the United States. And Manville writes that cars essentially let you go wherever you want by yourself and by a route of your choosing. The, the autonomy of cars is pretty awesome. However, he writes, that promise is fulfilled only if everywhere you might go has a place to store the car whenever you arrive. Now, this has created, unfortunately, Manville argues, mandates in zoning codes known as minimum parking requirements, which basically forces developers to supply uh, or supply parking on site. And Manville argues this is driving up the cost of real estate. Manville says that this cost, which should actually be borne by the drivers, is pushed on to developers. And so how much is this? Well, in downtown LA, parking usually costs developers $50,000 per space. So just think about how many spaces if you look at an L.A. parking lot, $50,000 and tack that onto the cost of the project. And so what Manville argues now, he also he argues the, the financial part of it, but also argues that, it, that, that, that this mandate attacks the nature of the city itself and that cities should be more reliant on people walking or taking public transportation. And he, he he's not saying that we should get rid of parking. He's just arguing we should get rid of required parking. So if you're a place that wants to have parking and be a place that's friendly to cars, then you can do that. If you're a place that doesn't want to be friendly to cars, then you should also be able to do that as well. And it was just, to me, it was a very interesting read because there's no doubt that we love cars in America, even when you're in major cities and you go to some other countries, that's not necessarily the case. Um, but it is no doubt there's a cultural thing to that, but we don't realize the impact that it's having. And this could even go not only to commercial, you know, we're talking about commercial properties, but even residential. I mean, think about all the parking that's required for people to live in an apartment complex. You could build more housing, which would not only drop the cost for the developer to have to build those parking spaces, but also the fact that they could build livable space there. And so you could see a reduction in the cost of living in some of these major cities where we know the cost of living is already astronomical. So it's a fascinating piece. I just kind of just barely grazed the surface and what we just talked about. If you want to read the whole thing, I'll put it in the show notes, but also make sure you check out the newsletter where I have all of this material on or in, I should say the newsletter available every morning. It's a companion to this podcast so you can go there and sign up but we are officially out of time i hope you guys enjoy your wednesday i'll see you back here thursday morning and don't forget do not wait to buy real estate you buy real estate and wait